Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome. If it's your first time, my name is Danny. I have the privilege of leading this community and, uh, I do it alongside of some other really incredible leaders that pour in all of their love and their time and their energy and their resources into making this space the special place that it is. And so to each and every one of those leaders that are here, you know who you are. I want to say thank you. You're the best. Wouldn't be able to do it without you. What's up, T? I miss you, brother. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful faces. Nice hats. You didn't plan that? Really, it happens every time. Wow, something's up here. Twin flames. That's great. That is great. Well, hey, um, we heard some announcements earlier, and I want to reiterate something that was spoken about our event this upcoming Friday on August 11th, Spirituality and Success. This is our Heartway Healers social event. It is for spiritual entrepreneurs. We're using that term to describe two types of folks. Number one, people who are in a spiritual line of work. So if you're a coach or you're a therapist or you're a yogi or whatever you do, if you're in a spiritual line of work that is healing and helping people, we want you there. And when we say spiritual entrepreneur, we're referring to any entrepreneur who is a spiritual person that is wanting to integrate spirituality into their day-to-day business practices. So if that's you, we're going to have a wonderful conversation on spirituality and success. How do we redefine success in light of spiritual values? And what does it look like to be a success as a spiritual entrepreneur? Sound good? So we're going to have a panel discussion. I've invited some friends And a lot of them are actually from within our community that are doing this work. That's the whole idea of this, too, is to highlight the work that each and every one of you do. Because Heartway has been a space that has attracted spiritual entrepreneurs. So we want to highlight the work that you do. Is there a question? Sure. Okay, I guess we're doing this now. What is your question? So my question, um, it comes from a conversation I had earlier today. Yeah. Yeah, sure. No, it does not matter what part of the journey you're at. Yes. Can you do the commercial for us for the next for the next one? Right. So, 
So thank you for bringing that up and opening the door. Absolutely, you are welcome to come if that's you. Let's give it up for Priscilla. So courageous, asking a question. Watch, I'm gonna be teaching now in the middle of my sermon. I'm gonna see these hands go up. That's funny. All right, everybody. So our, our theme for this morning is how to be free. Anybody interested in learning how to be free? I know I'm in the continual process of learning how to be free. The scriptures say where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and that spirit lives on the inside of you. So what does it look like to tap into this freedom that has been given to you as your birthright? One of the reasons why we gather together on a weekly basis and do the things that we do and have the conversations that we have about spirituality is because spirituality is a gateway into internal freedom. True freedom really doesn't have much to do with external conditions. It's actually about an internal state of mind. So if your mind is free, it really doesn't matter what other limitations other people impose on you. And that's really, really crucial to understand because we live in a world, unfortunately, where sometimes our freedoms are taken from us. And that's outside of our control. So is it possible for me still to be free on the inside, even if on the outside some of my liberties are being taken from me? The answer to that question is yes. When you read through the scriptures, especially the, the Hebrew scriptures, you read about these prophets who would proclaim the word of the Lord. You know, they would have a message for the people that oftentimes the people did not want to hear because it challenged them and confronted them. And oftentimes these people who risked their very lives for the sake of proclaiming this message, they were beaten, they were tortured, they were in prison, they were not treated well, they were spoken ill of. And yet they still had a song to sing. They still had peace in their heart. They still had a joy that kept them going. What kind of freedom is that? That's the kind of freedom that I want to experience in my day-to-day -day life. And it's the freedom that I know is possible to experience. It's possible to experience that kind of freedom. Whatever is happening in your life, on the inside, you can still have liberation. So a lot of us, when we think about this word freedom, initially our mind automatically goes to financial freedom or political freedom, and those are freedoms that are certainly worth pursuing. But in my estimation, the greatest of all human freedoms is spiritual freedom, because spiritual freedom is not dependent on any outside entity or agency, which means nobody can give you freedom on the inside. That's a gift that only you can give to yourself, and that's good news. Because if nobody can give it to you, guess what? Nobody can take it from you either. So spiritual freedom comes when we remove the limitations from our mind. There's a Holocaust survivor by the name of Viktor Frankl. I think actually my buddy Dave Corrales gave me his book a while ago. And this is one of the wonderful quotes that stood out to me. He said, Everything can be taken from a man, but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. 
Now, it's one thing to hear a regular Joe Schmo say this. When it's a Holocaust survivor saying this, I'm paying attention. Everything can be taken from me, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose my attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose my own way. So people can strip you of many different kinds of freedoms, but no one can strip from you the freedom to choose how you will respond in any given circumstance or situation. And the response to any given circumstance and situation that will consistently and constantly lead to more life, more joy, more peace, more fulfillment, and more satisfaction is love. Now, when it comes to this conversation of spiritual freedom, like many other topics in regards to spirituality, there's a paradox involved here, okay? Because spiritual freedom is freedom within bounds. And here's what I mean by this. Look at this scripture in the New Testament that says, it is the love of Christ that constrains us. Think about that word constrain, to constrain yourself. That seems very limiting. That seems like the opposite of freedom. But when you operate within the bounds of love, that is when you actually step into your truest freedom as a human being. Because when you're under the constraint of love, you're no longer under the constraint of other people's opinions. You're no longer under the constraint of your own emotions, which allows you now to regain your autonomy over yourself. And so love is what provides the avenue for you to step into the freedom of choosing your response in any given circumstance, regardless of what it is that may be happening to you. Outside of love, you may think that you're free, but you're really just a slave to your desires. You're really just a slave to your ego. You're really just a slave to your pleasures. Look at this scripture in the book of Romans that says, having been set free from sin, you have become the slaves of righteousness. Again, spiritual freedom is freedom within bounds. You've become a slave of conformity to God's will and purpose. Having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. So there is a freedom that is actually slavery, and there's a slavery that's actually freedom. A lot of people think that they're free because they can do whatever they want with their lives, but they are enslaved. They are enslaved. And then there are others of us who look at the lifestyle that a more spiritually inclined individual might choose to live. And we'll say that's so restricting. That's so limiting. No, no, no. It's very freeing. It's freedom within bounds for sure. But that's the way that spiritual freedom works. And that's really the core principle that I want to communicate to you today. About like eight, nine years ago, when I really first started my journey as a communicator, at the time, I had just graduated from seminary school with my Master of Divinity, and I was a pastor at a local megachurch here in the area. And the pastor of that church had actually given me, a young 21, 22-year-old kid, the huge privilege to step onto this platform where I would be speaking in front of thousands of people and actually communicate what God has put in my heart to say. An incredible honor and privilege. I knew, however, deep down inside of my heart that if I really wanted to refine this gift that I have to communicate, 
It wouldn't be sufficient enough for me to just get an opportunity of that caliber once or twice a year, which is what it would have been. For me, I realized, you know what? I really got to practice this every day. I got I to gotta somehow find a way to communicate every week so that I can get better. So I left this uh, church, and I became a chaplain at a homeless shelter. And they were like my guinea pigs. It was so great. <laughs> half of them would fall asleep while I was talking. It was fine. The other half didn't care. You know, I remember there's this one dude who he just kept laughing while I was talking. And I'm like, <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I got mad at one time. I'm like, are you, are you here to learn? Or like, are you here to pay attention? What's going on? And he like tightened up and he was like, I'm sorry. And then I kept going and he kept laughing again and come to find out, you know, he had some issues mentally. And here I was being mean to the guy. Gosh, Danny. That has nothing to do with what I have to say, but <laughs> anyway, so I would like practice, right? I was practicing at the homeless shelter. Almost twice a week, I was writing these sermons. Now, when I first started writing my messages, I would write full-on manuscripts, okay? And oftentimes, I would preach directly from the manuscript. I was reading a manuscript word for word. And there was this one pastor at the time by the name of Rob Bell. He was the pastor of an evangelical uh, megachurch in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and he was just this stellar communicator in my mind. He never used notes. He was always engaged with his audience, very intellectual, very practical, and I just loved everything about him as a communicator. One day he decided to do a two-day workshop for people who want to be communicators. And so I went to one of these workshops in 2016. And I was taking notes. I actually still have all the recordings from that workshop that I went to. And I was just like, however he does this, I want to learn how to do it so that I can also you know, communicate in, in a powerful way. And one of the things that he said, because for me, the whole thing was like, how does he do it without notes? Like, that's just, it's, just, it's crazy, right? Like, how, how does he do that? And he said something that stood out to me. It's so simple. But it's what has given me the ability to also do what he does. And he says something so simple. He said, you got to work really, really, really hard to make it seem like you're just talking up there. And then he said, the more structured that you are in your outline, the more freer you will be when it's time to speak. Because if you know where you're going to go, then you can take some side trails but you always can get right back on because you know the next place that you're going to get to. You understand? And you break that down, and there's obviously a lot more to say than just that. But the idea that I'm trying to communicate to you is that what he instilled into me as a communicator was if you want the ultimate freedom as a communicator, you've got to have an airtight structure. You need that structure in order for the freedom to be experienced. If the structure's there... I already know where my next point is, so I can go wherever I want and just bring it right back around to where I want to go. And it's like nobody knew what was happening. Because y'all don't know my structure. You don't know where I'm going today, right? <laughs> so structure breeds this freedom. Okay, it's freedom within bounds. Musically, it's the same thing. Okay, so when a musician wants to do a solo or improvise, they restrict the notes that they're going to use 
while they're improvising. When we're playing a song and our bass player wants to improvise, he's improvising within the bounds, within the structure of the song, within the framework of the notes that are already being played. And it is within that framework that the maximum amount of freedom is able to be experienced. Okay, so our framework as spiritual individuals, our structure is love. That is the baseline for our freedom. How is that so? Well, have you ever been bitter and angry at a person before? Yes. Okay, wow. (laughs) All right. We can talk after service. All right? God bless you for your honesty. (laughs) She's been waiting all week to say that. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Bitterness feels like prison anger feels like prison you're free to be bitter you're free to be angry you're free to be petty do it but there's not much freedom in that in fact the angrier another person can get you the more control they have over you this is why when I was in high school my friends would love to flip my bag backwards did that ever happen to anybody Marcos would do that to me These guys here know, family members over here. People, uh, my best friend makes fun of me because back in the day, you know, I used to be very OCD. So if you would walk into my house, I mean, I'm not as bad nearly, I'm not as bad nearly as I used to be. But my friend the other day was telling this story. He's like, Danny used to have his chain on the desk just like this. And if you moved it a little bit, he would just get so mad and he would put it right back exactly the way it needed to be. And then he was like, and then there were some times where Danny would take like five minutes just to arrange the necklace exactly the way he wanted it to be. And in my mind, I was thinking, if he doesn't even know how to do it right, how am I supposed to know how to do it right? So anyways, like my friends would do things that they knew would bug me and bother me. And they would elicit a response and a reaction out of me. That's called being controlled. You understand? Now, when you start walking in love, you start walking in freedom. Because now somebody can push your buttons. And you you started practicing this thing called turning the other cheek. And eventually people are going to get tired of pressing a button that don't work. Right? (laughs) See how that works? So love may feel like it's restricting, but it actually provides you with the greatest amount of freedom that's possible in life. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Okay, the truth is love because God is love. So when your reasoning is being governed by love, you see the world the way God has made it to be. When your reasoning is governed by ego, you see the world the way you have made it to be. And the whole point of spiritual practice is to remove these filters from your mind so that you can tap into love and see reality for what it really is. See people for who they really are. If you can't see another individual through eyes of love, you're really not seeing them. You're seeing everything that you're projecting onto these people. You're seeing your judgments. 
You're seeing all of your hang-ups being placed onto this other person. It takes genuine love to really be able to see through into the heart of an under individual. So as I grow in love, I grow in my understanding of who God really is, who I really am, what life is truly all about. So spiritual freedom is freedom within bounds. So what I want to do today to bring this all together is give you three keys to your spiritual freedom. And again, each of these Uh, phrases that I'm going to share with you, they may seem very limiting and constricting, but when you give yourself over to this framework and these boundaries, within that framework and within those boundaries, you will find a lot of freedom. Okay, and so the first key to spiritual freedom is to submit yourself to an organizing principle. I just made that up, so if it doesn't make sense, it's not you, it's me. Okay, submit yourself to an organizing principle. An organizing principle is a guiding idea that directs something. Okay, everybody has an organizing principle, whether you're aware of it or not is one thing, but we're all governed by something. Life is so fast. Life is so random. Life is so sporadic that we need an organizing principle to help us make sense of our experiences and bring meaning to all of the seemingly random things that we go through as human beings. What is your organizing principle? Is it fear or is it love? Is it God or is it ego? Is it wisdom or is it pleasure? Some of you may think, well, I don't want to live by an organizing principle, right? Because if I have an organizing principle and this is what I'm always going to choose as my response, again, that feels very restricting. I just like to go with what I feel in the moment. (laughs) And I'm all about that. That's good, right? We got, you know, how I'm not even going to go there. I'm not going to bring gender into it, even though I just literally did. But, you know, sometimes we, we, we like to say my intuition. And it's true, there is something to that, obviously. But there's also the other side of the coin, which is, hey, um, sometimes your feelings are clouded. Sometimes what you're thinking in the moment is not clear. Sometimes what seems right to you right now in this particular situation is a path that actually leads to death. And if you don't have an overarching organizing principle for your life, It's very easy to get off track. So my suggestion for all of us is to make our organizing principle love and to live within the bounds of love, which produces true and genuine freedom. And what that looks like practically is if I'm living by this organizing principle and this love for God, love for self, love for life, love for others. That's what I mean by love. It's it's an all-encompassing love, the love of all of it the good and the bad. When I live by this organizing principle, this now defines for me what integrity looks like. And it's good to know what integrity looks like and feels like for you. And if you've been clear about what your organizing principle is, and you've defined what integrity looks like for you, you better believe every time you step outside of that, you're going to feel it, and it's a good thing to feel it. And it's not the guilt thing that religion has put on us, right? Because religion has taught us, oh, 
yeah, follow this path or do this because you have to. It's the right thing to do. And if you don't do it, there will be consequences, a.k.a. hell. <laughs> okay? Spirituality is like, no, no, no. You just do this because life is better that way. There's no fear behind it. Right? You don't do this because you have to. You literally don't have to. You don't have to walk in love. You don't have to choose peace. You don't have to choose to go the higher road. But life is actually better that way when you do. And so when you hear these words every week, you have an opportunity to test it for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but try a different response than the normal one that you usually take. Right. And then this is how you start to define what integrity looks like for you. So when you move outside of those bounds, again, it's not a it's not condemnation. It's like a conviction to use the traditional Christian terminology. It's like you, there's there's something that's pulling you back to the truth of who you are. And if you don't have that, the scriptures describe that as a conscious that has been seared, a conscious that is hardened to the point where you, you you're not attuned to the voice of the spirit within you anymore and now you have the ultimate freedom to do whatever you want to do in life but it's a freedom that actually leads to slavery so you understand how this works so what's your organizing principle once you've defined that organizing principle aka love or whatever else you want to call it authenticity it's all connected god once you've defined that organizing principle it's simply a matter of laying aside all of your preferences all of your judgments all of your opinions and all of your desires when they rub up against that organizing principle and would have you to go in a different direction than what you know is ultimately best for you and your life. That's all it is. You, you lay aside all of those things. Some of us, we have way too many opinions. Some of us hold on to our preferences way too tightly. Right? We got to learn how to let that go. There's actually this... Um, one monk from the fourth century who defined prayer as the laying aside of thoughts. And I love that. When I have this overarching principle in my life, this organizing principle of love, right, I lay aside every thought that would have me go against that because I know that's going to lead me to more bondage, not to more freedom and liberation. Now, there's some thoughts that are, you know, hard to lay aside, like fearful thoughts. You can't just lay aside fearful thoughts. But when you are afraid of something, by the way, this is a, I'm going outside of my structure and I'm coming back. When you are experiencing fearful thoughts, you can't just get rid of it. You've got to confront it and face it. And what I've come to see for my life is that the sooner I'm willing to embrace the possibility of my fear actually being true, the sooner I will be set free from that fear. So the only way to be set free from your fear is to recognize the possibility of it becoming a reality and learning how to accept that and be okay with it. Someone's like, I'm not ready for that. That's why I'm afraid of it. Well, do you want to get over it? <laughs> Go through it. Go in it. Dive in it. Yeah. I had to do, oh, I know my parents are not going to like this, but for so long I had a fear of my parents dying. You know, when I was in, in high school and my parents would leave for dinner or something and leave me with my uncle, you know, if it was like 12 at night and they weren't home, I'm like, oh my God, what if they got in a car accident? What if they, 
you know, what if they died and I'm going to be alone now? I don't have any siblings. What's going on? You know, and that was when I was young, you know, and as I got older, even still as an adult, that has still been a fear that is very present until I came to accept the reality that they are not going to be here forever. And I have to learn how to be okay with that. And I'm learning how to cope with that now so that when it does happen in life, it's not the first time that I'm dealing with this. So that's one way to deal with fear. Another kind of thought that's hard to lay aside is like uh, anxious thoughts. Those are really hard to lay aside, anxious thoughts. But you know what I heard this week that was really helpful? This lady in this class that I'm taking, she said, if you worry about something and then it happens, you went through it twice. So it's like, wow. Okay. So don't suffer more than you need to is the point of that. Right? So that's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Today has enough worries. Okay, so that's the first one is submit yourself to an organizing principle. Here's the second key to freedom. Devote yourself to God. Again, look at these words, submit, devote. We're talking about freedom. Yes, freedom comes when you submit your life to a higher principle. When you devote your life to your higher power. Devotion. Why is that so important? Because when I talk about freedom, it's not freedom of the self. It's freedom from the self. What we want to be set free from is ourselves because we're the ones that give ourselves the hardest time. Sometimes our minds are the most difficult, darkest places for us to inhabit. And we need to be set free from ourselves. Well, the path of devotion is one sure way to be set free from your own self because the path of devotion towards God is literally about you losing yourself in God. There's a difference between being a student and a devotee. Okay, a student wants to know about God. A student wants to know about life, know about love, know about truth. A devotee is interested in becoming God, becoming love, becoming truth. And there's a world of difference between knowing about and becoming the thing that you know and that you say you know. Okay, there's a lot of people with degrees and certifications that know about. And there are people with no degrees and no certifications that are, and they, they literally embody what they're saying they know and communicate. And that's where the power is. That's, that's where the power is. When you've been able to get yourself out of the way so much that now it's God living God's life through you. Like, it's, like Paul says in the New Testament, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's, uh, I love bringing this up because... It's just fascinating to me, and it's so different than the approach that we take in conventional Christianity, especially in our culture. But way back in the day, many centuries ago, in, in certain monasteries, did you know that they would not allow new initiates to read the Bible until they first matured? developed their character, and actually started to display some of the fruits of the Spirit? It wasn't until the masters 
could see in the lives of the novices that they actually were walking with God and that they knew God for themselves and that they actually uh, became this love, that they were then willing to say, okay, here's the scriptures. Now you'll know what to do with it. (laughs) Now you'll actually be able to understand what it says. Because if we give this to you too early, you're just going to weaponize it. If we give this to you too early, you're just going to make it about what you know. You're going to use your knowledge to bring division, to make yourself feel like you're superior to other people. So for them, it's like, no, no, no. You, you want to you know God? Walk in love. Walk in love. We'll get to the Bible. First, walk in love. So for me, perfecting love is a much nobler cause than perfecting knowledge. Some of us, what spirituality means for us is just knowledge, 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 knowledge. We just hoard knowledge. We're so greedy with knowledge. Knowledge, knowledge, knowledge is our wealth. It's, it's where, what our ego identity is built around. Throw that knowledge away. Throw that knowledge away. If you want real knowledge, live a life of open-hearted, loving devotion towards God, and the knowledge and wisdom will come of itself. I have had this conversation before with my buddy who's here today. I remember we were at Starbucks a long time ago, and I, I'm telling him about all my school, all the things that, I, you know, the books that I've been reading, and I'm getting my doctorate and stuff. And This guy hasn't even, he, he never did a day of graduate school. He didn't read any of the books that I read. But when I heard him speak, I'm like, but you get it. You understand what this is actually all about. And it doesn't come from books. It comes from your experience. Oh, man. That's what it's really about. Because how many of you know it's easy to get so lost in the books that you get disconnected from life? So perfect your love. Give yourself in devotion. Lose yourself in your devotion to God. Become the truth that you seek. There's a story about an emperor who went out to war. He conquered a bunch of countries. And when he was on his way back home, he sent a message over to some of his wives. He had many wives. He had many wives. You know, back then, that was a normal thing. I mean, you know. So don't blame me. The Bible is like Game of Thrones. It's not me. Okay? So he sent back word to all of his wives. And what he said to them was, ask me for whatever you desire. Look, I, I've, I have the whole world at my disposal. What do you want? I'll give it to you. And they all started asking for different things. One of the wives said, bring, bring me back jewelry. Another wife said, bring me back clothes. Another wife said, bring me back some beautiful shoes. But then there was one of his wives that said, let the emperor know I just want him to come back. I just want him to come back. And of course, when the emperor came back, he gave to all of his wives all of the things that they had asked for. But this one woman who simply asked for him now had such a special place in his heart because her love was proven to be so pure. So pure. What is your intention and your motivation behind being a spiritual person? What is your intention and your motivation behind living for God? Is it for what you can get out of God? Have you gotten so consumed in getting God to give you what you desire 
that you have forgotten that God is ultimately the object of your desire? Right? We get so caught up in the gifts that we forget about the, the giver. You know, if you go to a lot of churches, you'll hear the, the prosperity preachers, right? They make fun of them on TV and stuff. They're like, if you, if you give to this ministry, you know, God is going to bless you. And you are going to have more money than you could ever imagine. And you're going to be healed of all your diseases. And they make all these promises. Come on. <laughs> right? And even, even outside of the world of religion, just, just spirituality generically has been so commodified. You know, like what, I see this stuff on Instagram all the time. Do you want to scale your business to six figures? You need to meditate. I'm going to teach you how. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, I'm sure that implementing spiritual practices in your life will make you a better business leader. Obviously, we're going to talk about this on August 11th. But if you're doing it for that, hello, talk about missing the point. No, no, no. Devotion towards God needs to be so pure. You're not doing it for what you can get out of it. There's another story in the Sufi tradition, which is the mystical branch of Islam, about a woman who walked around the town center and the market with a bucket of water in one hand and a torch on the other. And when people would ask her, why are you carrying around a bucket of water and a torch? She said, well, this bucket of water is to pour into hell, to extinguish hell, and this torch is actually to burn up paradise. So that nobody would worship God out of fear of hell or hope for paradise, but only for the sake of eternal beauty. You love God for the sake of God himself. That is the highest level of devotion that an individual can attain to. Why does this lead to freedom? Because in that kind of emptying of yourself... You become a totally new person to the point where you can say this old version of me has died and what has come alive isn't even really me anymore. It's, it's God in me. So that's the gift that devotion offers to you. That's how devotion can lead you to freedom. You, you empty yourself of you. There's another little story about a teacher by the name of Yogananda and there was a... Uh, young man that was studying under his feet. And he said, okay, master, I've heard all of your teachings. And from what I gather, devotion is the main thing. And Yogananda replied by saying, no, you, you've totally missed it. Devotion isn't the main thing. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. Where God becomes the utmost object of of all your desires, where you desire God beyond everything else. That's the only way, by the way, you'll overcome all of your animal instincts and desires, you know, that are in there. It's just what it is. You have to have a desire for God that supersedes your desire for these things. And you empty yourself. That's what the, the New Testament says about Christ, that he emptied himself. And so the life of devotion is one of constantly emptying ourselves of our preferences, our opinions, our desires, and our judgments so that we can continue to live our life in submission to our organizing principle, in submission to our higher power. Foolhearted devotion. Look at this uh, beautiful poem. Meister Eckhart. He said, oh, Another quote from Meister Eckhart that I love to highlight, he says, Theologians of the world may quarrel, 
But the mystics of the world all speak the same language. See, because the theologians and the philosophers, all they care about is knowing about the information. But the mystics, oh no, it's an experience. They want to experience God, experience truth, not just talk about it. Okay, my life is like a page on which so much is already written. Hurts and joys and the tumble of fears and uncertainties. What you want of me, God, is that I clean the slate, emptying it of all this to make room for the freedom of nothingness, where alone you, my God, have room to grow. Speaks for itself. Last but not least, the last key to spiritual freedom. We have submit, devote, and then discipline. Develop spiritual discipline. There's literally a book by a guy named Jocko Willink. You guys ever seen him on YouTube or something? Military guy, super alpha. All right. He has a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. I love that. Discipline equals freedom. That translates into all areas of life, especially spirituality. Look at this passage of scripture. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Keeping yourself spiritually fit. Discipline equals freedom. That's the principle here. It takes discipline for you to remove everything that is unnecessary from your life. It takes discipline for you to stick to your authentic expression, even when there are consequences for doing so. It takes discipline for you to rearrange what you do and who you do it with in your life. It takes discipline for you to develop spiritual practices that you go back to over and over and over again. But life is going to hit and life is going to hit hard. That's how it works. If you don't have the discipline to constantly come back to your center, to re-anchor yourself in the truth of who God is, you will drift away when the wind blows and the storm comes. Right? Jesus talked about uh, that parable of the man who built his house on sand and the man who built his house on solid rock. Well, the man who built his house on, on sand, well, that foundation is not too strong or sturdy. So when the storm came, that house came crumbling down. But the man who built his house on a solid foundation, when the storm came, guess what? That house was able to withstand the pressure of the storm. So if you don't have the discipline to set that foundation, when the storm comes, your house will crumble. It takes discipline. And at first, it's simply the discipline to set aside a few moments to realign yourself. But the whole point of doing that is for this to move from just a few moments you set aside every day to every waking moment of your day. So that's why you employ the discipline. So that what initially requires effort and energy eventually becomes effortless for you. If you talk to somebody who's really disciplined, it's not hard for them most of the time to do what they have disciplined themselves to do for so many years. It actually has gone to the point where it feels really natural and normal, and the opposite is what feels weird. 
So if I don't go to the gym, that feels weird. For some people, it's like, oh, gosh, I got to go to the gym. Oh, jeez, this sucks. This is so hard. I see somebody going like this in the audience, man. That's messed up. <laughs> right? But you understand, if somebody who doesn't have discipline and they're just starting out for the first time, it's a drag. It's tough. It takes a lot of energy and effort. But you put all of that energy and effort on the front end so that on the back end, eventually it just becomes the effortless way for you. Okay, so discipline yourself in godliness. Discipline yourself to walk in love. And there will be times when you're put in situations where it's really tough for you to, to, to choose what is right for you. Okay, because we always like to say what's right for everybody or what's right objectively. No, what is right for you to do in this moment? That's all you have the authority to talk about. And what's right for another person to do and what's wrong for another person to do is their business, not your business. And it's God's business. And God doesn't need you to tell them. Okay? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can you tell I had a bone to pick there? <laughs> but there will be times when you will be at a crossroads and the choice is life or death. Right? Choice is life or death. And if it weren't for your discipline, you'd probably go in another direction. There would be times where everything inside of you, all of your emotions, all of your desires are pulling you one way. But it will be because of your discipline that you stick to your path. So discipline goes a really long way. Now, spiritual disciplines in and of themselves don't necessarily transform you. Okay? But they create the environment within you for transformation to be able to happen. So a wonderful analogy that I've heard to compare this to is a farmer trying to grow crops. At the end of the day, the farmer technically can't grow the crop, but the farmer is able to create the conditions in which crops can grow. So the farmer will plant the seed, the farmer will water the seed, and then natural forces take over. It all comes together, and it all begins to grow. That's how it works with your spirituality. When you develop a, a prayer practice, a meditation practice, when you begin to discipline yourself in the practice of spiritual community, when you begin to discipline yourself in the practice of study, when you commit yourself to these practices, it's creating the conditions in which now the spirit can work in your life and you can experience true transformation. Freedom comes with discipline. Freedom comes with devotion. Freedom comes with submission. Spiritual freedom is freedom within bounds. Love may feel restricting for you because this is, are you saying this is the one way that I need to, or that I, you know, that I need to respond? You don't, again, you don't need to. You, you'll want to once you try it out, is what I'm telling you, because you will find that it is actually very freeing for your soul. And to choose the path of negativity and bitterness and anger and shame and guilt, that's just a prison. So if you want to be set free, you do it by living within the bounds of God's love, submitting yourself to God, devoting yourself to God, and disciplining yourself in godliness. Let's pray. 
We thank you, God, for the freedom that you've granted to us as our birthright. Today, we make a commitment to step into this freedom, to live within the bounds of your love. May the love of Christ constrain us so that we can truly be free in the way that we interact in this world and the way that we operate with one another. Help us to taste this freedom for ourselves, not just to think about it, know about it, but to live it and experience And as we devote ourselves to you and your way, as we discipline ourselves and remain spiritually fit, we know, God, that transformation is inevitable. It is the inevitable natural outcome of us doing things the way you have designed for us to do them. We thank you, God, for being with us and for for helping us because it's not easy. Sometimes it's hard to maintain your integrity. Sometimes it's hard to remain authentic. It's hard to continue to live by love and take the higher road when so many other options are available to us. But there's a path that seems to lead to life, but it actually brings death. And I pray that we would recognize that true freedom is is being servants to you. Amen. Amen. All right. Love you guys tremendously. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of the week. See you Friday.